It's good to be here this morning. It's good to be up here in front of you, I think. A couple weeks ago, Trey talked about righteously fearless, fearless and how we're not to fear. But I want to ask you, are we to walk totally fearless through life, and what does that mean? Now, I'm not going to contradict Trey. Trey's message was right on. But I just want to go off on a little bit different direction. The Bible mentions fear and that we need to look at how that word is used. Strong's puts it, to put flight by terrifying, to scare away, to put to, to, put to flight, to flee, to fear, to be afraid, to be struck with fear, to be seized with alarm, of those startled by strange sights or occurrences, of those struck with amazement, to fear, be afraid of one, to fear, example, hesitate, to do something for fear of harm, to reverence, venerate, to treat with deference or reverential obedience. We need to know what the word fear is and we need to know how to apply it properly and where, where it belongs. There's a healthy aspect to fear when it's kept in the proper perspective. Let's take a moment and pray. Father God, I just pray that you use my mouth to bring forth the words that you uh, want the people here today to hear. Use me as an empty vessel and fill it as you would. Father, may our hearts and minds be open to your word this morning. May we understand what it is that you want to tell us. May we take it in. May we listen. May we digest it. And then may we walk it forward and do as you would have us do. Amen. I'd like to start in Luke 12, verses 4 through 7. Jesus was speaking to a crowd of many thousand after they had all gathered together. I'll be reading from the New International Version. I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, and after that can do no more. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after your body has been killed, has authority to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies, yet not one of them is forgotten by God? Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Almost sounds a little contradictory. Why should I fear him? Why? Because he goes on to say in Luke 12, 8 through 9, 
I tell you, whoever publicly acknowledges me before others, the Son of God, the Son of Man, will also acknowledge before the angels of God. But whoever disowns me before others will be disowned before the angels of God. I don't know about you, but I want to be acknowledged. I want him to know me when I'm there. I don't want to be one of those who, he says, I never knew you. I want to stay. I want to be there with him. So, we acknowledge, he acknowledges, right? So we got this thing, right? But, I also know there's bears in the woods. I go camping in the woods. But I got this. I got this, right? I know all about this. We're all good. No problem. This past week, I was fortunate enough to be out on the Appalachian Trail in West Virginia. And you guys know I like to backpack and go, go hiking. So we went out and did a section of the trail that we've done before. It's a beautiful section. Look up McAfee Knob sometime. Most photographed place on the Appalachian Trail, there's dozens of people up there at any given time taking pictures. That's where everybody wants to have their picture taken. But we hiked, and we'd been out for a couple days, and we had decided we were going to go up to see up to McAfee Knob uh, in the evening to see sunset, and then we were going to go back down to camp and hike eight-tenths of a mile back up in the morning to see the sunrise. It's a good plan, right? Just take in all you can while you're there. So the day had been long. We had spent a lot of time enjoying the scenery along the way. So time was getting away from us, and we got to camp, and well, let's just skip McAfee Knob tonight. We'll go up for sunset in the morning, or sunrise in the morning. When we got into camp, the site area was small. Some of the guys that I go with have a tendency to snore a little bit and a little bit loudly. I'm a light sleeper, so I like my peace and quiet. So the way the camp was set up, they had a, a uh, bear cabinet where you can put your, your goodies to keep it away from the bears, and they have a shelter, and then they have a few campsites that were all tucked real tight together. On up the trail, about a tenth of a mile, was another campsite, and in between was another campsite that wasn't designated as a campsite. But I went up to the designated campsite, and I looked around, and I said, yep, a few chipmunks, yeah, that could be a problem. But I'm all set. I've got this bare canister, right? Graphite, aluminum, machined, nice and lightweight. That'll keep all my, all my stuff good and secure. Got my tent. Got everything, set up camp, all set to go. Guys say, hey, we're going to go on up and see the sunset anyways. I'm like, oh, really? Eight-tenths of a mile, I've already got my food started. It's all right. I'm cold soaking now. Trying this out, cold soak, right? So you don't have to pack the stove. I'm into lightweight. Get my food, put it in my canister, put it in my bear can, tuck it away. I'm all good. 
We go up, enjoy our time watching sunset. It was beautiful. Olivia, can you bring up the picture? There's my campsite. At least just showing you just a little view. You can see my pack on the far side of the tree, which was closer to my tent when I had left. Um, some of the stuff in front of the tree there had been in my pack. My bear canister was there, upset. No big deal, it was fine. So it's like, okay. Over by the far tree is a Seenock um, water bag. It's just a, like, kind of like a vinyl bag, lightweight. You put your water in there, your dirty water, and then you squeeze it through a filter. Had a hole in it about that big around. Bear had come along, decided to check out my camp because I had forgotten one thing, one little thing. I left the trash from lunch in my pack in the top sleeve of my pack. Bear came along, smelled it, grabbed my pack, carried it over there, tore open the top of the pack, got that out of there, and of all things, chewed on a pair of socks that had been washed, they were clean, <laughs> in a Ziploc bag, and he tore the bag open. I don't know why. So I'm like, okay, no big deal. Bear's been here, so there had been some uh, girls that come in, and they were camping in that next campsite down a little bit between me and the other guys. I went down to them, told them, hey, there had been a bear. And they're like, oh, yeah, he came down here. See, I got a picture. I'm like, ah, oh, man, I just missed that bear. Talked to one of my friends that was camping in the other side. He says, oh, yeah, I came down. The girls were saying, hey, mister, mister, there's a bear. He's like, no. I'm like, yeah, he's right there. So he got a picture. I'm like, oh, I'm just missing out on all the fun, right? So as things go along, I'm getting myself ready, and I sit down, have my cold soak supper. It's like, and I brought dessert. I get my pudding out, and I put it in my container, mix it up, set it on the table, and I had to open up my bear canister to get my food out, and I set it there. And I turned around and walked 20, 30 feet back to my tent. And by this time, it, darkness had set in. And I turn around and look in the shadows, and I'm like, all right. Who's messing with me now? Who's sitting at my table? Turn on my headlamp and I look up and there's these red eyeballs looking at me. Now, people don't have red eyes in the dark. Turn up the light and sure enough, there's the bear at my table with my food. I'm yelling at the bear and he's like, what? You want me to leave? You got food, buddy, and it's mine. Sure enough, he took my food. You want to run the next picture or the video? There he is up there in the tree. He's looking at us. Now, obviously, you know, you can look and see I'm not real afraid of the bear. Maybe a good thing, not a good thing, I don't know. But that bear was there. 
He was in my campsite. He helped himself to my food. I'm coming apart here. We'll have just a moment. That's better. So, you know, granted, I'm here, no big deal. I've got a little over $500 in damaged equipment. Hopefully, most of that can be repaired. We'll see. I've already sent my emails to the company, say, hey, do you sew up packs? Worst part was the bear decided uh, that little roll in front of the tree is my inflatable air mattress that I sleep on. Yeah, there's about 10 holes in it. Um, so last night of sleeping wasn't that great. I'd lost my food for the next day. He did leave me a granola bar that he didn't get into and uh, left me some, uh, some of my lunch. So I didn't go totally hungry. But the guys I hike with, they're a bunch of Christian guys. So right away, you know, people are talking about, you know, how Jesus comes like a thief in the night. We don't know when he's coming. I didn't know when that bear was coming or I'd have been waiting for him. I'd have had my food in my canister. He'd have never got it. But no. Just that moment when I took that lid off, took my food out, sat on the table, walked around back to my tent, and turned around, there's the bear. We don't know. We don't know. You know, and it's funny how nature can point those things out to us and remind us of all those things if we take the time to look and listen. Now, how do I wrap this all into more? Where can we go from here? You know, I'd lost my edge. You know, I had got comfortable in my surroundings. Been out there several times, never been an issue. You know, you consider yourself lucky if you get to see a bear when you're out on the Appalachian Trail. You know, everybody's out there, oh, I hope I get to see a bear. Hope I get to see a bear. You know, and everybody gets excited when somebody says, hey, there was a bear up the trail. Everybody hurries up to see if they can still get a look. But there's that point where we still have to have a little bit of fear and I don't want to go off on fear, but we have to have a respect for what's out there. We have to respect the consequences of what happens. So a little bit of fear is good for us. Now I've been stuck in Revelation for a number of weeks, and, and stuck in Revelation is maybe a, not the right term, but I can't get out of Revelation, and I don't like Revelation. Trust me, I do not like reading about the prophecy. I don't like reading about all the things that's coming. I don't care. We can get all worked up about what's coming. I can get all excited and, and all worked up about what's going on in Israel. But it's all in the book. We know how it ends, right? We can get to the end of Revelation. Yep, okay, it's, you know, we're going to be okay. I don't need to know when he's coming. I just need to know that he is coming. And that it's real. But as I look in Revelation, I keep 
going back to two chapters. There's two chapters that stick out to me, chapters two and three. The letters to the churches. And I think that's what the Lord is trying to get to me at. What is He telling these two churches? What is He trying to tell us? Is this the important part of Revelation? Before I get into there, we're going to go there and we're going to read chapters 2 and 3 or at least parts thereof. When we talk about the angel, we're talking about the pastor, the star, the pastors, the light, the lampstands, are the churches. Jesus is the light and walks among the churches and who holds the pastors in their hands. You know, Jesus has this in his hands. All right? Let's go to Revelations chapter 2. And we're going to go chapter or, uh, 2, verses 1 through 7. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds, your hard work, your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and you have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. But you have this in your favor. You hate the practices of the Nicolothians, which I also hate. Whoever has ears to hear what the Spirit says to the churches, to the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is the paradise of God. You, know, you can read this and say, well, he's talking to the angel or the pastor of the church of Ephesus. You, know, you can look at that and say, well, he's holding the pastors in his hand, which he is. He is holding them in his hand. He is protecting them. He's got them covered. What else can you do when you have something in your hand? You can crush it. You can get rid of it. You can toss it aside. But he's got us in our, in our hands. He's got the lampstand, you know, the church. He walks among the churches. He's looking to see what's going on. He sees our deeds. He sees what, he's, what we're doing, whether good or bad. He's telling this church, I know that you can't tolerate wicked people. You know, that's, that's a good thing. He's telling them about all these things that they've done good. You've persevered. You've endured hardships for my name, for his name. You've stood up for me. But yet, but yet, you have forsaken the love you had at first. I had to think about that for a while. You know, I thought, well, okay, they've forsaken Christ. No. That's not what he's saying. 
Some of you have been married. Some of you have been in relationships. But when you start out in love, isn't it great? We're all in love. You know, you want to be together all the time. You know, it used to be you could have a car that, you know, had a long bench seat in front, you know, and your loved one would scoot over next to you when you didn't have to wear that seat belt, and you could put your arm around them and drive down the road. Everything was great, right? We got a king-size bed now, you know. You got your side, I got my side, you know. Good night. You know, enough of this closeness, right? You know, but I mean, as time goes on, you know, we get used to each other, right? You know, it's all good. We're still together. You know, I can say good morning when you get out of bed. I don't need to say goodbye in the morning. You know, I'll see you in the evening. You know, if you don't see me in the evening, you know, you'll see me in the morning when you wake up. You know, it's, it's all good, right? Don't we get just comfortable and a little bit lazy? You know, the same with me going out the woods. I ain't watch for no bear. Yeah, there bears out here. He ain't coming around. He hears me making noise. But there's bears. Things happen. But he's saying, you've lost the love you had for me when you first knew me. Man, I can tell you how excited I was when I first came to really know the Lord. I thought I knew the Lord a long time ago, but it wasn't until I really knew the Lord and knew that I was saved. Man, was I on fire. You know, now it's kind of, yeah, okay. You know, I'd have prayed for anybody at any, on any time at any moment for anything. And I was like, well... You know, I might get this wrong, so I better just chill out a little bit. But he's warning them, don't lose that fire. Don't lose that love that you had for me at first. And he's telling them to repent. And that repent isn't, oh Lord, forgive me. No, it's turn around and change course. You know, get back. Go back to what you were doing. And he goes on, and he doesn't just tell this to this church. He says, whoever has ears to hear, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Let's move on to the church in Smyrna, Revelations 2, 8 through 11. To the angel of the church in Smyrna, these are the words of him who is the first and the last who died and came to life again. I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet you are rich. I know about the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you, and you will suffer persecution for ten days. Be faithful, even to the point of death, and I will give you life as your victor's crown. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear what the Spirit says to the church. The one who is victorious will not be hurt at all by the second death. Again, he starts out and he's telling them, look, I see what you're going through. They're being afflicted. Rome doesn't really like them. They're poor, 
But he's saying you're rich because you're spiritually rich. You know me. You are rich. And he's telling them, don't be afraid about what you're going to suffer. So he knows what they're going through. He knows there's suffering to come for them. He's well aware of that. But he tells them to hang on. Ten days doesn't necessarily mean ten days. There were ten persecutions of Rome on this church. Ten persecutions that came out from Rome. It can be ten years, but that ten is it's a limited time frame. It's not going to last forever. So hang on, be faithful. He's telling them, even to the point of death and you'll receive your victor's crown. We'll keep moving on. To the church in Pergamum, Revelation 2, 12 through 17. To the angel of the church in Pergamum, right? These are the words of him who has the sharp double-edged sword. I know where you live, where Satan has his throne, yet you remain true to my name. You did not renounce your faith in me, not even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness. And I'm going to pause, well, let me see. Who was put to death in your city where Satan lives? Antipas. Tradition has it that he was slow roasted to death in, an iron, in a bronze kettle. Now we get worked up about the atrocities we hear in the news that happened to Christians and to the Jews. That's old news. That's nothing compared to what they used to do to people. I mean, think about it. Slow roasted to death in a kettle. Terrible. And these people are remaining faithful. So, you have people being killed all around you, but yet you remain faithful. And they're being credited by Jesus for being faithful. Nevertheless, he says, nevertheless, I have a few things against you. There are some among you who hold to the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to entice the Israelites to sin so that they ate food sacrificed to idols and committed sexual immorality. Likewise, you also have those who hold to the teachings of the Nicolosthians. Repent, therefore, otherwise I will soon come to you and I will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. Whoever has ears to hear, Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I will give some of the hidden manna. I will also give that person a white stone with a new name written on it, known only to those to who known only to the one who receive it. The Nicolothians kind of thought, well, we're going to mix things together here. We're going to mix a little paganism, a little spirituality, so we're all good. We're all good. We have this spirituality. So we can do all these things and we're still okay. All right? The white stone. And we might wonder about the white stone. What is that white stone? That white stone was a way often of your admission ticket to get into the banquet. Your invitation to the banquet. We've heard about the white robes. You know, getting your new clothes, being dressed in white. Well, this is your white stone with your name written on it, your new name, 
as your invitation to come to the banquet and the hidden manna, that spiritual food that we're, that we're supplied with. We'll move on. Revelation 2, 18 through 29. To the angel of the church in Thyatira write, These are the words of the Son of God, whose eyes are like blazing fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. I know your deeds, your love and faith, your service and perseverance, and that you are now doing more than you did at the first. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman, Jezebel, who calls herself a prophet. By her teaching, she misleads my servants into sexual immorality and the eating of food sacrificed to idols. I have given her time to repent of her immorality, but she's unwilling. So I will cast her on a bed of suffering. Let's pause there. Jezebel is considered the mother of sexual immorality. And her children are those people that followed those same beliefs, but yet she's calling herself a prophet. And people in the church were going along with that, saying, yep, it's a, it's, this is all good. This is all good. They're getting drug off track. They're getting pulled away from Christ unknowingly because they're trying to be this, you know, trying to be a Christian, and trying to be the world. Two opposites, but yet they're bringing them together in the church. When he talks about the bed of suffering, that's often thought to be sickness and disease, sickness or disease, that that would, that would come on those people committing those sins. He goes on to say, and I will make those who commit adult with her suffer intensely unless they repent of her ways. I will strike her children dead. You know, as bad as Jezebel was, he said, I have given her time to repent of her, but she was unwilling. You know, Jesus is patient with us. He's given us that opportunity to repent and change our ways. He wants us to follow Him. He goes on in 23, I will strike her children dead, then all the children, all the churches will know that I am He who searches hearts and minds and will repay each according to your deeds. Is that good deeds or bad deeds? Either or, right? He's going to pay us each according to our deeds. Now I say to the rest of you, and Thyatira, to you who do not hold to her teaching and have not learned Satan's so-called deep secrets, I will not impose any other burden on you except to hold on to what you have until I come. To the one who is victorious and does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nations. That one will rule them with an iron scepter and will dash them to pieces like pottery, just as I have received authority from my Father. I will also give that one the morning star. Whoever has ears to, 
Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. You know, learning Satan's so-called deep secrets. Do we need to know everything there is to know about Satan? No. It's really pointless to us. We know we have an adversary. We know we have an adversary. But we have Jesus Christ. We have the Holy Spirit, which is all that we need. That is what we need. We don't need to know all these other things. We need to focus on Jesus Christ and Him alone. That's where our focus needs to be. And to hang on to your faith. Hang on. Hang on. Stay strong. To the church in Sardis, chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. To the angel of the church in Sardis write, These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up. Strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of God. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Hold it fast and repent. If you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what time I will come to you. Yet, you have a few people of Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. They will walk with me dressed in white, for they are worthy. The one who is victorious will, will like them, be dressed in white. I will never blot out the name of that person from the book of life, will acknowledge that name before my Father and his angels. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He didn't have much good to say about Sardis. You know, here's a church that thinks they're alive. We've got all kinds of programs. Man, our, our, our membership is booming. You know, we've got to build on. We need a bigger building. We need more. We've got more programs coming in. We've got all these things going on. But if we don't have Jesus Christ front and center as our main focus, we're dead. We're dead. Right? We can look alive. You can drive down the highway and see some beautiful churches, but we have no idea if they're dead or alive. Go inside and listen to what they say. Are they dead or are they alive? Jesus knows. He knows what's in our heart. He knows what's in my heart. He knows what's here. He knows why I do what I do. If I go out and give somebody $100, you know, because I think they need it, He knows, am I giving it to them out of the love of my heart? Or because I want that person to know that I've got $100 and gave it to them. And man, that Martin's a really nice guy. He gave me $100. He knows the motives of my heart. Verse 4 said, You have a few people in Sardis who have not foil, soiled their clothes. Now think about this one. We get clothes. We get new clothes when we know Christ, right? 
If we get white robes, we get clothes. He's saying, have not soiled their clothes. Does that mean I can get those clothes, those new clothes, and turn around and soil those clothes? Can I? Yeah. I can soil my new clothes. I have to hang on to Jesus so that I keep my clothes clean. And I just point that out so that we don't get caught up in, I was in a prayer group. So they asked if I wanted to know Jesus and I put my hand up in the air and said, yes, I want to give my life to Jesus. And presto, change you, everything's good. And I turn around and live my life thinking I got my ticket to heaven. Because we can give it up. We can lose our ticket. We've got to stay focused. To the church in Philadelphia, verses 7 through 13. To the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, these are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. I will make those who are of the synagogue of Satan, who claim to be Jews, though they are not, but are liars. I will make them come and fall down at your feet, acknowledge that I have loved you since you have kept my command to endure patiently. I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come on the whole world to test the inhabitants of the earth. I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. The one who is victorious, I will make a pillar in my temple of my God. Never again will they leave it. I will write on them the name of my God and the name of of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God. And I will also write on them my new name. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. They didn't have a lot of strength. They were small. But they did not deny the name of Jesus. He's really not given them a but. Whereas the other churches, they lift, he lifted them up and said, but, you've got this going on. But he's still cautioning them. Hold on to what you have. Hang on to that faith. Hang on to the trust that you have in me. Finally, the church in Laodicea verses. 14 through 22. To the angel of the church in Laodicea write, These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other, so because you are lukewarm, neither hot or cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I'm rich. I have acquired wealth, and I did not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. 
I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in fire so that you can become rich and white clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. This church is blessed. Everybody here is blessed. We're wealthy. He keeps pouring more money into us. Right? That's how we know we're blessed by God, right? We got money. Got a nice house, nice car. Is that how we measure that God's blessing us? Not necessarily. He can. He can bless us. He can bless us with all kinds of wealth, but what happens when we have everything that we need? Do we forget where it comes from? And do we begin to rely on ourselves? Do I get out in the woods and rely on myself and put everything aside? I could have been camping in the safety of numbers, but I chose to camp off by myself. I still would have been okay because I'll backpack by myself. But we have to be aware. We have to remember where we are and whose we are. It goes on to those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. He still wants them to change. They're His. They're His people. He wants them to turn around and change. But He wants them to look at where they're at. He's saying, you think you have all kinds of money, but you're naked, you're wretched. You've given up on me. Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door and come in and eat with that person and they with me. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. There's a lot there, and I could have probably stopped with the first, with the first church and really dove into more about that church. But there are seven churches, the seven churches in Asia. They were grouped together, they were in a circle, kind of. But he's talking to these churches, but he's telling everyone who has ears to hear to listen. What am I telling these churches? Because it applies. What can we take from that? If I don't respect God the Father, if I don't have that little bit of fear and remember that if I'm not paying attention to what I'm doing, will I lose my edge? Will I lose that connection to Him? I mean, it's always there, but He's telling these churches, these are His people. And He's telling them, look, look, you think you have it together, but maybe you really don't. You know, there's people there in the churches that did, but He's saying, look, watch, 
hold on, hang on, don't let go of what you have. If you look at a book, you usually get a lot of information up front, and at the end, you get the conclusion, the rest of the story. He's given us the warnings in those couple chapters right up front. But what does he say at the end of the story? If we look at Revelations 22, twice he says, verse 7, he says, Look, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy written in this scroll. And he repeats himself a few verses later, verse 12, Look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to each person according to what they have done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. Outside are the dogs, those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright morning star. He's the light of the world. I go back to Luke 12 where Jesus said, Fear him, fear him who, after your body has been killed, has authority to throw you into hell. Whatever you want to call fear, keep a little bit of it. Keep a little bit of it. We can walk fearlessly and still have that knowledge of fear, that we need to pay attention to the one that loves us, that will meet us where we're at, who has forgiven us when we trip and stumble, who helps us, who lifts us up, who takes care of us. As I went through this and was mulling this all over, you know, how do I put this all together? How do I get a message that's not negative? How do I give a message that doesn't say, you know, you got to keep a little bit of fear, but yet we need to be fearless? But then I have my bear story to give me that reminder. I've got to pay attention to where I'm at or I'm going to be taken advantage of. That bear is going to come like that thief in the night and steal what I have away from me. If I walk in the world and get so comfortable with the world, am I going to become part of the world? Am I going to lose that light that shines? You know, where I'm the light to the others, where I witnessed other people? I mean, I had opportunity on the trail to, to witness to someone. I mean, isn't that what we're supposed to do when we have those opportunities? You know, to speak out 
and acknowledge Jesus Christ to those around us? If I acknowledge who Jesus Christ is, what He means to me, who He is, I'm sharing that light. I'm sharing that light to the world. And we're that light. This church together is the lampstand holding up that light. Bringing that light. I'd like to take a moment to open up the floor. It's 11.30. We've got a few minutes. If someone has something they want to share, we've got a mic up here. I mean, revelation can be heavy. But if I look at, to me, you know, this was the important part for me right now. Don't let go of what you have. Jesus saved you. Jesus saved you. Anybody have anything I'd like to say? You want to come up, Valerie? There's a lot of details in Revelation 2 through 3. You know, I have this against you, I have that against you. But a simple way to keep on the right track is John chapter 15. Jesus says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. When you stay connected, he says, if, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you can ask what you will, and I'll do anything you need me to do for you. So to simplify living in the fear of God, we just simply stay connected to the vine. And he leads us and he guides us and we won't go astray when we've got that vital juice of the Holy Ghost flowing through us. That's all I wanted to share. Amen. Amen. Trey, you're looking like you've got something percolating. Anybody else? I always have something to say, so I wanted to come up here. I'll tell you, I'll tell you the truth, man. I, I honestly was pretty scared about this whole, uh, this Israel-Palestine things. This is real. Um, just because living fearlessly, it's easy to say. It's harder to do. Uh, I mentioned that when I preached on that, but man, it's watching the videos, seeing <clears throat> just how committed these people are to holy war. And if you do any research on holy war and the Israel-Palestine conflict and just the fact that they hate to hate. Like, it, there, there's really no reason behind it, and it'll always be going on. It's biblical. It'll always be happening. <clears throat> That's the area Jesus will return, actually. So to say that, like, you'll never fear anything, is that's false. Um, I even told my wife, like, I was stirring up Thursday, man. It's Wednesday, Thursday, because, you know, one of the leaders of Hamas said, we want to make Friday the 13th a day of terror, day of holy, you know, holy terror, jihad. Uh, he was basically telling everybody in the world to try and do their best to terrorize their communities if you believe in jihad. These people believe that... <clears throat> If they, if they bring terror and they maximize their efforts in bringing terror in the name of jihad, that they will die with honor. So 
it's not to be. It's not that fear should be absent. Should, we definitely have. Uh, it's a characteristic that we feel. It's part of the like, human nature. It's part of our DNA to be afraid of something. I think it just speaks volumes to 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 walk fearlessly once you have found Jesus, the finished work. It's done. It's over. Knowing how to tap into that, knowing how that applies to your life. I think Martin's word today was good because it it, it shows. It's a shadow and a type, and everything has to be taken with a grain of salt, and I appreciate your word, Valerie. That was awesome. Um, he's the vine, we are the branches. I think that it's, it's important to look at stuff like that from a 30,000-foot view. We can't get too zoomed in on something where we, where we think that, you know, God is telling Revelation Rock, like, you guys need to, because, you know, you can misinterpret something. And, and a lot of times in life, misinterpretation leads to confusion, leads to jadedness, leads to callousness. So I think it's important to, to understand that we need to stay in the word, not just listen to this and then leave here and be fearful of like what the Lord's telling the churches, but what is the application? How, 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 how does this apply to our lives today? And being able to do that, that's what helps you grow as a mature Christian. Read something and then let it marinate, let God speak to you through what you just read. But I'll tell you straight up, I mean, I... I, I this this uh, this stuff in the Middle East like definitely had me had me worried for sure. I mean, I I still feel fear, but I think that's when when the volume and all the distractions that we have in our life when those get turned up and our spirituality gets turned down, which is that's the goal of Satan every single day. I mean, to distract us like distraction is his number one opportunity um, when we're when we get too busy when we're trying to juggle too many balls at one time. So. I mean, this week, I definitely was fearful. I wanted to keep my kids home on Friday. I didn't want to go to work on Friday. I didn't want Adrian to go to work on Friday. I was just in South Carolina last week, and I told Adrian, if I had to fly home on Friday, I probably would have canceled. And I'm, like, hearing myself, like, what in the world? Like, why, why would I, why am I saying this stuff? But I also stood in front of a congregation and said, like, to live fear. Like, that doesn't add up. But it's because I'm letting the news and letting Twitter and letting all these videos on social media and letting all these other influences in my life speak to me loudly. And that's when I'm like, Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Yes. And he said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And that's not hard, that's not hard to understand. To misunderstand that takes some effort to take heart, but I have overcome the world. So he did, he did tell us we will have troubles. So I'm not, I'm not exempt from feeling fear, and none of us are. There is fear that we're going to, to, to feel. But Jesus is our, is our father. That's our daddy. That's the one we can go to when we have feelings of fear. That's not someone who, when things are in our life, we should be like hiding from and we should be fearful of. We should be taking things to him. So even stuff like this, when the news gets loud and we see people are dying and we see we're sending our biggest warships over there and everything in the world is, you know, seems like it's being flipped on its head, that's when you really got to tap in. So I just wanted to share that. Fear is a real thing, but it's, it's all by application. Nice message, Martin. Anybody else? I'm over there fighting, and I'm not going to lie to you. 
That's why it is so important. I, I want you to be honest with me this morning. And I'm, I'm being real with myself. How much of you are plugged in during the week reading his word? At least 15 minutes. Raise your hand. That's not condemnation. Don't hear it. I want to encourage you. It's extremely important when Trey has moments like he did this week with what's going on in Jerusalem. If you don't have it in you, what are you drawing from? Because that's where it's coming from. That's where it's coming from. I can't encourage you enough. If you need help with it, plug in somewhere. Plug into some type of ministry or some type of small group. Heck, ask the Lord and say, show me. And he'll say, go talk to that guy right there and this girl over here. And you guys start a small group. And be, what's the word, expectant and focused on what he wants to show you through the word. He'll teach you. He taught this guy to be a youth group leader for God's sakes. <laughs> yeah, this guy. He'll show you. I can't encourage you enough to plug in because I'm like you. There's weeks where I'm like, yep, I wasn't in the word all week long. But then there's weeks where I do really well. That's not to pat my back, but the weeks that I do plug in, those are my best weeks. I have a great week. But when I'm not plugged in, man, the noise this world will absolutely just beat me up. And I'm living in fear and I get afraid and I'm afraid to fly home. No offense, Trey. But it's, that's how it works. The enemy knows. He's not dumb. He's been doing this for a very long, long time. <laughs> I see that one over there. Yep, they haven't been diving it all week long. I got this one. Here we go. And he sucks you right in. I just encourage you. Plug in. Plug in. Closing thoughts, anyone? I didn't get the closing for this message for obvious reasons. We're all here together. We're all contributors to this body. And that's one of the great things about this body is that we can all come together and we can share. Valerie, your word right on. You know, we've got to stay connected we got to stay connected to the vine is the only way we're going to get through this. You know, he says, hang on. You know, I see that branch on that vine. It's dead without. We can't let go. Thank you for everyone for listening. Thank you for everyone that came up and contributed. Let's close in prayer. Father God, we just thank you that we could come together this morning. We thank you that we have this, I want to say loose-knit service, but Lord, it's put together. We're together. We have people that can share. We have people that with knowledge, Lord, and given the opportunity, they can share and we can all grow and learn. Lord, I thank you that you Give us experiences in life. And Lord, through our own experiences, you bring forth the word in our minds that relate the truths of your word. Father, I thank you for nature. 
and the glory you show, the creation that only you could create the way you did. And Lord, you use that to teach us. Father, you have offered us your salvation. You have offered us the opportunity to live with you forever. Lord, Father, I just pray that we all remain faithful, strong, that we keep our strength up, that we hang on, that we hang on and don't let go of what we know that you have taught us. Father, you are truth, life, love, regardless of the circumstances of the world, Lord. Our hope is in you. Our hope is in you that regardless of what happens, regardless of what happens, we have eternity with you. And Father, we cannot thank you enough. We cannot thank you enough for what Jesus did on the cross for us. Thank you, Lord. The mighty and holy name of Jesus. Amen. Everybody, have a great day. If anybody needs prayer, please come on up. We'll be happy to pray with you. If anybody has questions, you're welcome to come up and throw them at me or other members of the leadership team. Have a great day.